gon' give it to ya. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X gon' deliver to ya. Knock, knock, open Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Big Thoughts, the number one podcast about the Big Ten. Here are your hosts, Spencer Kleinschmidt, Marcus Pierce, and Peter J. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Big Thoughts, Big Ten Thoughts. Um, today we have a wonderful interview with Kendra Middleton coming up on deck. She's a Nesson reporter. She's covered the Bay Area sports, a Super Bowl, a Stanley Cup. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, all through and in terms of what we cover, probably our best interview. Um, oh. So you'll have to check that one out. But first, absolutely, I need to improve my hosting skills now just because of listening. Joined to that by interview. joined joined by Spencer and Peter. How's it going, boys? And what's up? Sorry to cut you off. I'm going great. I just started my first full time job out of college Gang. this week, um, and it's been cool because. In my office, we deal with a lot of live broadcast sports, one of them. We're, we deal with a lot of Bali or all the Bali networks. What is it? Like Great Lakes, Southern Cal, West, East. Doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, rest in, pe- rest in peace, Fox Sports North, or what was it? Yeah, Fox Sports Wisconsin, Fox Sports yeah. North. Um, rest in peace. Yeah, City but be- because of that job, I'm constantly watching – I'm not really watching the games more so like making sure the quality of the captions are running just fine, but that connects with just also just viewing the game, see what's going on. So that's been great. How are you, Spencer? I kind of meandered on that answer. Sorry. How am I? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, yeah, not bad. You know, the Red Sox, they're no, absolutely dominating. Um, so are that's they t- cool. What are they now after uh, the 0 and 3 start? They're 7 and 3. They're 7 and 0 since starting 0 and 3. Um, since the MLB switched to 150 game or 159 game season, the Red Sox are undefeated. So the shout out tech- to them. <laughs> That's really cool. But yeah, no, the Red Sox are doing good. The B's got Taylor Hall. So I think we all will talk a little bit about that. I'm sure Wild Dan has his thoughts coming up here. But yeah, I don't know. The trade deadline wasn't as. Um, exciting as it has been in years past i think the flat salary cap kind of scared a couple people away from that but it still had some good moves so can't complain too much that salary cap surprises me because in both i mean the nfl we know that we're getting a bigger deal after you know salary cap coming down this year for the nfl this coming year but then there's a huge tv deal coming and with the nhl agreeing to the espn contract the salary cap's going to go up for sure <laughs> i mean i Right. I mean, it just would make sense that that too would go up. So I'm surprised Spencer that teams aren't making, aren't, aren't willing to take a risk and get a little in debt, I guess, with the cap or pay the tax knowing that, I don't know, hockey's a lot harder of a sport to commit to people long-term truly. So you don't see a lot of huge contracts ever, but well, and just with the amount of money that teams have and the amount of players that they have to roster, you know, baseball is very lucrative. It has a lot of, you know, very rich owners, very rich teams in general, you know, and especially with all of their new TV deals as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the ESPN deal affects them, but I think it truly is just hard because hockey is such an, an, a niche sport where, you know, you only have a couple, like a certain 
fan base. Whereas with baseball, you know, a lot of people like baseball, a lot, a ton of people watch football and basketball. Um, so they have a way bigger kind of fan base to market to. So they'll make more money there. So I think that kind of pushes them up, you know, makes it tight, but we'll have to see, like you said, I mean, if there's an influx of money, maybe we'll see free agents kind of just go on a frenzy in the next couple of years here. Yeah. And you know, one thing that always gets brought up in any sport when the salary cap goes up is who's going to be the player that gets overpaid and forces the rest of the league to overpay players, but isn't actually worth that money. Jared there's, Goff. There's always, yeah. I mean, there's always that great debate. Like, I mean, not great debate. There's always like one player or situation where at the time being and with the salary cap going up, you go, ah, fuck it. Let's give him 10 instead of eight or maybe not that much of a difference, but it'll be well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like inflation, you know, I mean, they're they're when there's more money to give out there, the prices are going to increase a little bit. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. Definitely. And when you re as a reshape or kind of like reload, I guess, like the market value of certain players, you know, it's just like the quarterbacks, like Peter said with Jared Goff, like it was his time to get paid and that's what the going rate for quarterbacks was. So either the Rams pay him or somebody else is going to, you know, or the, even Dak Prescott, he's another good example, which I think he's earned every bit of his contract, but <laughs> you know, the Cowboys either had to pay him or somebody else was going to. So did, did he actually, did he actually get that? I can't remember. Yeah. He signed a, he got, he got a contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because he just signed it, right? Yeah, I think well, a couple since, weeks ago. Yeah. Okay, I, I actually would like to talk about that. I don't know if Jerry Jones, and I know that he's probably made some shitty-ass business deals. I've been thinking about a lot in the shower. Uh, I have been. <laughs> I have but, been. I have been. But, I, you know, I bet, and... Jerry Jones would probably admit this, that he's definitely like fuck some people's lives over with how he's handled business dealings, whether that be players, people who have worked for him, whatever. I, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily handled his money the best, but after they paid, uh, number 21, Ezekiel Elliott, after they paid him, you know, I think for the time, again, another situational contract where, at the end of that year, he probably deserved all that money. Now in the last year and a half, hasn't necessarily looked that awesome, but probably deserved that money for the time being. When you risky look at take though, too, right? I mean, for, for sure, risky take, knowing that you have the guy like Dak Prescott that needs to get paid probably a super max contract, which he did. But what made me nervous for Dak Prescott is when they couldn't reach a deal before the beginning of last season. And then he gets hurt a bad, bad, bad injury. You know, I mean, that's not a, and then they still, you know, I was nervous that Jerry Jones was going to leave him cut and dry after he's played for nothing on the last two years. He's played for probably 60% of what he could have been making, you know? And I'm super glad that at least from a moral standpoint, I don't care if it fucks the Cowboys over because I hate the Cowboys. I'm glad that got paid. I really am. I, I never thought that Jerry Jones wasn't going to be like, wasn't going to pay him because I really do think that he likes Dak Prescott. I, I think that he's actually like, I think he wanted to take him before the fourth round. And I think people in the Cowboys organization was like, Hey, I think he's going to fall. Like, let's, let's try to build other, you know, other things that maybe pressing needs we have. They still had Tony Romo at the time, but I don't know. I mean, Dak's given his all for that team and like the Cowboys organization. So obviously, like you said, it's great to see him get paid, especially after that injury, you know, that 
that really shows too, Hey, we didn't franchise you. You just had this injury. We don't know what's going to happen, but we trust you. You know, you've been a hell of a player so far and we trust that your work ethic and everything, like, you know, you're an emotional leader in the locker room. You're a great leader on the field. Like you're kind of our guy. So I mean, here's he, a bunch of money. Well, I mean, he's the you face know? of the, he's the face of the franchise. And right. I mean, quite frankly, the second, literally the second Jerry Jones says that he doesn't want to resign him or that there's an offer type sheet. It's not called an offer sheet in the NFL, but whatever, kind of similar. There's probably half the league who would be willing to sell their whole fucking team for Dak Prescott. I mean, he would have gotten paid. Oh yeah. I mean, injury or not, he was getting paid. So uh, Jerry, I think maybe for the first time in his career was put in a legit pressured situation from a fan base. He lets Dak Prescott walk and the, the old uh, Dallas blue faithful gets a little different. Probably this is like the strongest they've felt about a player since like Troy Aikman. Well, they uh, should. I, well, yeah. a player. I mean, um, Oh uh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, also, Hey, quick shout out to Ole Rodge for hosting Jeopardy. What a goal. Oh, yeah. He is so Looks cool. Stiff couple couple episodes and he looked a little stiff i think he's warming up though which i mean i can't blame him i'd be nervous too what are your thoughts on the engagement not to move away from jeopardy honestly i love it because it sounds like they were dating uh all through last year all through quarantine and and people had questions with danica was it a raj you know was he the issue was he the relationship cancer maybe not um they look like a cute couple i'm happy for them no, I, I mean, and that's all you get from the Vikings fan, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of like, I don't know. He looks happy. So if my quarterback looks happy, feel happy MVP, I don't see why I won't want another one next year, but the national media still is convinced that he won't be a Packer next year. Have you guys seen that? Sorry. Sorry, folks. We're going a little, little coffee, little coffee chat in the morning right now. The opening of this show is... Yeah, I have seen it. And you know what I got to say to that? I'm sorry, but I don't think that anybody is involved, will be involved, or was involved with any any type of contract negotiations. Because one, they aren't Aaron Rodgers. Two, they aren't Mike Murphy. Three, they don't work for the Packers organization. So, I mean... They can say what they want, and I know that they have a job to do. You got to give views, and you got to have clickbait and everything, and like nothing wrong with that. Hey, from a podcaster to a journalist, I respect it, but also I don't think they know what's going on. No, I, I I also think they like. I think they're full of shit and have no clue what they're talking about with that. I agree with you, but it's guys like goddamn Mike Greenberg, one of the most famous journalist probably to walk the earth honestly big 10 alum yep northwestern guy right or purdue yeah northwestern um but it's guys like him who you know are good journalists and who got that show because of doing good journalism and now he gets on there and it's i don't know i I think it's just absolutely crazy what they're trying to do to rods right now and I think it's bullshit and I think it's horrible journalism and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just cause he's Raj and whatever green Bay, yada, yada, yada. But the Packers are notoriously secretive. Like they don't talk about things going on. 
I don't know. I don't see him not being a Packer. I, I th- things would have oh, to you go. You know what this sounds like to me? What? Sounds like you should write a huge blog about this. Yeah, I'm going That's to. That's what I think. I'm going to get triggered and write Do a it. blog. Do I'm going to I'm going to wake it. up wake up tomorrow, turn on get up, uh, look at Mike Greenberg rubbing himself off to LeBron and LaMelo and Aaron Rodgers getting traded and then I'm wow. going to write a blog. That's very millennial. That was not expecting get, that. Get worked up and write a blog. Yeah. Well, I'll show you. I'll show you Mike Greenberg. Sorry, while we're out, sorry, while we're going in here. I, I think you're the only one going in here. Yeah, the wild. You're I'm the only one who's going off on anything. I have, I like I said, I as I have a respect. You're while, just going at them, going for the I'm going in, why when neither of them have played for almost a month, is every fucking thing about Lamelo Ball or LeBron James? Miles Bridges the other night, ESPN and couldn't make a post without putting a fucking LeBron screenshot next to it of a dunk that looked nothing like that dunk. Like, I hate that. I get LeBron pushes the numbers, whatever. Let Miles Bridges, who absolutely murdered a person on live television, have his goddamn moment. All right. I'm better now. <laughs> um, but looking forward on big thoughts, obviously we said that we're going to be joined by Kendra Middleton later. And, of course, the state of hockey with Wild Dan. Wild Dan. But, but we Thanks, have – we have interviews for the next month. Oh, we got guests. Talk about guests, man. We got lots of things coming. Things Shout coming. out to me. I'm we so, got the I'm former the president, Barack Obama. We got um, Martha Stewart. We do Martha, have somebody from his Martha area. Martha Stewart. Though. We don't have her. Um, we do have uh, UW D1 swimmer, Truman T. Dites. He'll be, there you go. Uh, he'll be on May the 5th. We'll be interviewing him on May the 4th. May the 5th. We got Chip Skylar coming but, in, too. Don't have Chip Skyler. <laughs> Next, we're going to an absolutely amazing interview from Kendra Middleton. Uh, Spencer will give you a rundown of who she is, and it was an absolute pleasure having her on board. Joining Big Thoughts next is Kendra Middleton. Kendra coming live to us from, I believe, New Hampshire. Could be Florida. I don't know. She pops around a lot. (laughs) Doesn't matter. But she's live with us over Zoom right now. And Kendra has covered a lot of sports teams. She's worked a lot in sports media. Um, She covers the Big East currently. And she has covered sports teams in the past, including the San Jose Sharks, uh, I believe, the Auburn Tigers, and the... University of New Hampshire. So without further ado, Kendra, how are you doing? And welcome to Big Thoughts. Hello, hello, boys. Um, I hope all is well. You almost, almost, almost nailed it. So started out (laughs) um, interning with Entercom and I was with the Sharks, the Raiders, the A's, and who am I missing? Oh, the Warriors. Um, so I was out there for their Stanley Cup, Super Bowl 50, that sort of thing. And then I went to Auburn, covered Auburn hockey, football, basketball, and baseball. And then I transferred to the University of New Hampshire. I covered UNH um, hockey, basketball, and football. And then um, switched from UNH hockey to UMass Lowell 
hockey and basketball. So I still continue with the hockey East. I was still with New Hampshire baseball, but um, for ESPN and Nesson, I have covered UMass Lowell and UNH. And um, I'm actually auditioning for a radio show here on Thursday and continuing my work with Nesson. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Sorry. But, I didn't memorize your resume. My, no, my totally. I don't blame you, but um, I just didn't want to th- the people to think that I'm cooler than I am. Yeah, you're, you're like, yeah, straight up. My resume is better than yours. And there's no, 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 no. no. Oh my God. No if, I, if I had a dollar for every time that my resume has been like denied during this pandemic, I could probably put a solid dent in my student loans. <laughs> um, hey, amen to that. Spencer's <laughs> Spencer said that uh, you worked worked for or are currently working for Nesson. Yes, uh, both. Okay. Um, so I am a reporter for College Hockey on Nesson, and then I also host a late night show on Nesson. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like the show Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. Yes. Yeah. So yes. if Guy Fieri talked about sports while he was eating all of that food that would be my current job, which is like my freaking daydream. I'll tell you that for free. Like, I love being the college sports guy, Fieri. I'll tell you that. Like, I get to eat all this food, drink all these cocktails that are local, and then I get to talk about college athletes and like Tom Brady and all that stuff. So it, it honestly couldn't be better. I love my life. Awesome. Working for Nesson, have you got a chance to meet, I want to say his name's Jack Edwards, the radio, the TV guy for the Bruins? So I have such a funny story about Jack Edwards. So I, do you guys know Tom Karen TC? Yep. I work with TC all the time for college hockey and for dirty water. Him and Steve Lyons were my first interview as an SM reporter, actually. But I was actually talking about Jack Edwards with my godfather last week. And I was like, this guy is such a clown. Like he's literally the Chris Collinsworth of hockey. Like he's just so funny, so dorky, but like, he's kind of like, uh, and endearing in a way that's like a, a taste that you have to acquire uh. in a way because he's just he's so different and right. at times he rubs me the wrong way and I'm like I know that I can't probably swear on here but it's at times oh, you, can swear. Like, no, you can and I good. oh yes. my god at times I'm like oh my yes. god like no. shut the fuck up but at other times I'm like oh my god like that was kind of dorky and adorable but like 90% of the time I'm like oh my god Jack Edwards you're like, so unrelatable it. like can you shut up but like at the same time he's just so endearing that you have to be like okay like you're just an old guy that like just is not with the times but it's like low-key adorable but there are just times where he says things and i'm like how is that relatable you know what i mean i i, I had to ask i was hoping i was hoping <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, I'm more so the college hockey aspect of nesson so um do you i don't know how i know we're here to talk about hockey college hockey that whole thing but i don't know how close you guys cover the hockey east uh, um yeah pretty much just the big 10 <laughs> so i mean so, we know of the teams, other but... other than other than when a tournament time comes it's pretty okay, much yeah big 10. so i cover two teams in the hockey east right now and one of the teams is with tom karen primarily and tom karen's obviously with jack edwards from time to time but mm-hmm. there's always that like awkward crossover where i'm like hmm, all right got it okay <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's an acquired taste. It's somewhat almost endearing, but there are also times where I just want to smack myself in the face because he's so unrelatable. And yeah. I, I really hope that that doesn't come back to bite me in the ass, but I really don't care because <laughs> I am just like the most like flamboyantly me person to ever exist. So <laughs> right, <laughs> take it or leave it. Uh, ha- hey, have that, have that. that Jack Edwards. Yep. Yeah. So being in the hockey East, obviously UMass, um, they just won, you know, the entire tournament. So I'm sure you cover them because they're in the conference. What do you think of that? And like, I don't know, they really talked a lot about their coach, you know, really bringing them from like five wins a couple years ago to bringing them into the championship in 2019, a heartbreaker to Duluth. And then now finally they get to the top. So. Totally. So I think first thing, when you're speaking about the hockey East this week, um, you need to acknowledge Maine's head coach oh, yeah. Fred, who passed away. So Maine, um, I know that I'm a UNH grad. I'm a wildcat for life, but I want to offer my condolences to their team and their head coach. Um, my heart is really with you guys right now. I just, my deepest sympathy. I can't even, I just can't wrap my head around it as a UNH grad, you know, the amount of times I've covered games against him and that kind of thing, just truly like I have chills right now, like wholeheartedly heartbreaking for them. Um, but speaking about the hockey East, you know, UMass in general, like I think that they're one of those teams traditionally you kind of expect to be in it. And they really went through some hardship. They had some injuries, some, you know, really COVID difficult times late in the season this year, which is so sort of unprecedented and something that you don't really expect to deal with. But the way that they dealt with it, they moved on. Their players nutted up and moved on. Like, I really respect the hell out of them, especially when, you know, you're going against you don't, you don't know who you're going to play at that point. Right. And for you to move on despite your injury, I mean, like Jones had such an incredible season and you move past any sort of difficulty that you've had with injury, illness, people not playing. It's just, it's truly impressive to me. And considering that it was three, I mean, three Minnesota teams and one <laughs> hockey East team in it, and they were the ones to take it home. I think that that's absolutely incredible, especially considering that the season they've had, I mean, they had some highs and lows, that's for sure. But despite the people that you thought were going to lead your team having COVID and your coach kind of just leading you to this moment, I think that that's absolutely admirable. Um, especially, I mean, like, like I, like the state of Minnesota having three teams in it is <laughs> unreal. And the fact that the most unlikely winner out of all of them is just, it's insane in covering the hockey East. I mean, I think that you expect the hockey East and the Minnesota teams and the San, like just the North Dakota state, all that kind of stuff. You expect those people to have like the most people admitted to the draft sort of situation. Sure. And the fact that they came from where they were a couple of seasons ago, it's, I think that it's the Cinderella story that you want every, every team to imagine themselves having ever. Um, and as disappointed as I am that it's not a team that I covered or, you know, a frozen four that I didn't get to, or Mm -hmm. a a bean pot or whatever, like, obviously that sucks. But the fact that a hockey East team is a champion right now, I, I mean, as a reporter, there's, there's nothing more that you can wish for. Right. Yeah. To piggyback off what you said about three teams making the finals from Minnesota is actually the first year all five teams made the champ or attorney and I thought to myself as a Minnesotan one of them is definitely going to come out with the win hopefully it's the Gophers <laughs> but no I was wrong apparently so most Minnesota sports Congra- thing ever <laughs> congrats yeah. to you yeah Do- I was wrong too I mean I thought that it was going to be Wisconsin if I had to put I mean I'm not a gambler I'm not a better I don't place I don't place anything ever but I thought that it was Wisconsin's year and the mm. fact that they got kicked from was it Lake Superior State no Bemidji. who was it 
Yes, yes. I, and just the fact that they got booted that soon. Uh, I was, oh, beautiful. No. Oh, my God. Beautiful. But I was shocked. You know, I really thought that it was their year. And just what a crazy I, – I don't think that anything epitomizes this season more than the tournament that we just had. Oh, I mean – what, what we had six overtimes in a game, uh, the long, longest tournament oh, game ever, insane. most overtimes ever, right? Yep, yes. Um, I think the longest runtime in a men's game as well. Um, I think there's been uh, one women's game was longer, but I think that might have been the second longest playoff game ever, so that was insane. Um, but yeah, I think jumping on the UMass thing. Their captain said after afterwards, I, I I can't even quote it word for word or whatever, but he's like, yeah, I could have left two years ago, but this is what you come back for. He's like, I could have left. I, I didn't need to prove anything after last year even, but this is why you come back. Um, and you don't see it often anymore where a team gets really close and then actually does it the next year. Usually if you get that close, you fall back a little bit or – you come one game short again, or, you know, so they kind of defied the odds a little bit with that. And well, especially losing a player like Cal McCarr. I mean, he, yeah. I, you know, he drove them a lot, you know, to the 2019 or the 2018, nope, 2019. There we go. That's the right year. I was yeah. like 2019, like finals, you know, he was kind of there like stud, whatever, you know, he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL right now. So, you know, like you said, losing that, you know, you would expect kind of a regression, but you know, the year off with COVID and everything. And they came back and they won it. And like you said, they proved some people wrong. So. Um, sorry. One quick question. And I'll let you continue, but us as uh, big Ten fans or Wisconsin fan, gopher fans. Um, did, did you also think that the big Ten was as disappointing as we thought it was like, just like, Oh, wow. I mean, obviously Notre Dame and Michigan, that's a whole different ball game. We don't know what would have happened. And that stinks. But oh my God. Yeah. Wisconsin, I, Wisconsin, horrible, Minnesota, a little less horrible. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, like if I was actually talking about this the other day with my best friend's dad, um, if you look at the players that are in the NHL right now from you guys' conference, you would absolutely expect the talent level to be so much higher. I mean, like, for example, you look at the SEC in football, right? And it's like they continue to exert greatness and they continue to have greatness in their programs because people want to go there because they understand that if you want to be the best, that that's where you go. And you look at the fact that you guys have so many teams that are so successful, not only right now, but historically, you would think that that would continue to be the case. So I think that when people watch college hockey, they watch y'all and they watch the hockey East. And that's where people expect draft picks to come out of. That's where they expect the top NHLers to come out of because traditionally that's sort of been the case. And this season, not only just with y'all's conference, but in total, I think was extremely disappointing as far as talent kind of exhibiting themselves. But at the same time, like I understand why college students are kind of at a pause right now in a confused place and all of that. But at the same time, it's like, if you want those NHL contracts, if you want to be the best, if you want to make that money one day, you have to kind of put your head down and play. So I was, I, I was extremely disappointed just because you look at the, the hockey talent that's come out of the big 10 in the past. And it's like, okay, well, where is, where is this future? Where are these players that are going to be the next big names in hockey coming from if it's not right now? Well, I agree with that. I, I think that 
I think the individual talent is there. I think there's a ton of NHL players playing in the Big Ten right now, but what they do together on teams is clearly the question that Minnesota and Wisconsin left to be answered because I know we're homers and our spotlight is biased towards the Big Ten because we're from around here, but I thought for sure we were going to see a Big Ten national champion. Either four of the teams, no matter how it happened, I thought for sure. But, but that's sort of the thing. When you really boil it down, you can have the best talent in the entire NCAA of hockey. But if it's not a team effort, that player is going to go nowhere. He's going to amount to nothing. It really is a team effort. Hockey is a team sport. You can be the best player in the NHL. You can be the best player in the NCAA. And without those people behind you really assisting those goals and helping you achieve what you want to get to, your name is not going to be at the highest draft board that it could be without your teammates supporting you. Fair. Absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, that's just, that's what it is. And I think that so you could, you could look back at time and look at all of these great NCAA hockey teams that had a chance to be great and people's chemistry just wasn't what it needed to be at the right time. I mean, I look back at, at the UNH team that we had a couple years ago. I mean, we've had Van Riemsdyk's out the ass <laughs> and we have amounted nothing to it. You know what I mean? We have so many Hobie Baker winners, so many NHLers, so many this, that, whatever. And what do we have to show for it? squad nothing right nothing you right. know what i mean and it's like it's really it really is about you and the rest of your team clicking at the right time in the season to make that things happen do, you, do i think that umass was the best team in the ncaa college hockey this year hell fucking no i don't <laughs> but they were the right team at the right time and that's exactly why they won the trophy this year yeah sorry spencer one more question about this and then I'll be quiet. Um, <laughs> since we don't watch the hockey East as closely um, in the big time, kind of in relation to like, the, like what you were saying, the best player versus the right team at the right time. It seems to me like the hockey East, you see a lot more teams that have uh, in general, older teams, a lot older teams where in the big Ten, I think that's why you don't maybe see national champions is because kids are coming and playing for a year and going to the NHL or two years and going to the NHL. Um, So teams have struggled. I think maybe in the big 10 to uh, hold a core together, no teams can put two good years in a row or, you know, Um, so I guess is the hockey East usually kind of older. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoy that question. So I think the hockey East typically has um, sort of a median older player, because when you, when, I mean, no offense guys, but when you look at college hockey in general, I think that other than Minnesota, a majority of NHL players come from the hockey East. And it's like, you look at these teams and it's like, okay, I'll stick around for a year because we have all this talent coming in. And I think that we genuinely could win some sort of national championship. We could go this, we could go this, we could, you know, make the playoffs here. And it's, I think that people stick around so much longer because they see this talent coming in and they're like, all right, well, our team is a majority older and we're getting better with these younger guys come in, coming in. We could genuinely make a run at any sort of playoff hope or whatever. So I think that these players stick around longer because the promise, or at least the thought of promise is a lot more prominent here because, you know, as much as the Midwest, 
you think about, you know, it's really cold. The weather's really shitty. There's a lot of hockey, blah, blah, blah. You think, you know, how much talent can really come from Minnesota and Wisconsin? Whereas you look here and you, I, I, I was going to say, I thought about this earlier today. When you look at a lot of talent, I think that one thing that the Hockey East does really well is that they, other than UMass, because they just have random people from literally, there's a kid from Naples, Florida, where I'm just like, I don't know how they put this team <laughs> together, but you look everywhere else. And it's like a lot of people really recruit well from home states like Massachusetts, Connecticut, Maine, New Hampshire, XYZ. They recruit really well at home. And I think that there's a lot of that promise where you can play year round hockey here. I mean, you look at Jeremy Swayman from Maine, who's with the Bruins now, and he is, he played his last, his first game like home opener with the Bruins a couple weeks ago, because obviously Tuka Rask is out. And I mean, I have some insider information that I can't rely here, but. Oh, <laughs> what a tease. Wow. I know. I know. I know. I'm really sorry. But uh, uh, what I can say is it is personal. It's personal with Tuka. Yeah. Um, But you know, you look at these guys like Jeremy Swayman is from Massachusetts and he's, went to UMaine and now he's freaking crushing it for the Bruins. You know, they, they recruit really well from their home States because hockey is also year round here, but the pick of talent is also so much higher that I think that these guys really just truly believe that there is some sort of way with the amount of talent that comes in every year that they can chase that idea of a championship win. Right. Well, and it's interesting when you say like the, the regional kind of aspect of it, because when you look at like a sport like hockey, it is super regional. You know, you don't see a lot of people like really leave the Midwest or the East Coast, you know, and to a certain extent, like hockey's making its way out West and like down kind of like what you said, Naples, Florida, that area. But like other than baseball slash like softball, I really feel like those are kind of the only sports that really have that kind of like, hey, if you want to play year round, like for baseball, softball, you got to live in the South, you got to live out West, Absolutely. you know, and with hockey, you got to live up North. And it's just, it's interesting to think about that. Um, kind of switching gears. Sorry, what was it real like? quick. Did, did you say that that Swayman kid was from UMaine? Yeah, he went to Maine. Jesus. That's yeah. like, but, that, that's like the sixth or seventh, like very good professional goalie UMaine's had. Yeah. But I do, Sorry. I do want to say something really quick while you're considering region of hockey players. You also have to understand the money piece of it. Oh yeah. Hockey is <laughs> no state most, tax. The most expensive sport to play. Yeah. No doubt about it. Hockey sticks are a couple hundred bucks a piece. Skates are a couple hundred bucks. It's ice team, ice time. It's referees. It's all of that. Right. And so of course it's a regional sport, not only because of weather, but you also have to understand or take into consideration the demographic that hockey is preaching to. But yeah, Jeremy Swayman did go to Maine. Um, like I said, my condolences to the University of Maine right now, all of that kind of stuff, but they really do develop some of the best goaltenders in the league i mean jeremy yeah. swayman as a first year candidate um he just he's crushing it right now and i'm really i'm really i feel honored to cover players like that in the league or to have covered them at some point because it's not only did i get to cover him at umaine being their rival but now that i'm you know with nesson covering college hockey that kind of thing like it's it's really cool to say that you know, like I, I mean, it doesn't, the star, the starstruckness never ends, you know, like right. it doesn't matter <laughs> if I'm talking to Jeremy Swayman or I'm interviewing Tom Brady, it's still just like the, it's, it's, you know, when you, when you grow up, like this is, this is what you dream about. Yeah. Being yeah, a that, big boss, I got to imagine you're a little. 
<laughs> oh my um that is uh interesting though that you point out about like getting to know people um you know seeing him make it to the league now like you cover someone for long enough and all of a sudden that becomes super personal or you know whether you plan for it to be or not um you know a lot more about this kid's life than probably a lot of other people do so or you know it's very personal i don't think that it's weird or starstruck um at all i think it it has to be a, like a, a proud feeling for him. Won't you say? Totally. Yeah. I mean, like even, even some of my friends who are ECHL, AHL, who, you know, are kind of made it ripping it up. So one of my, one of the kids who played at UNH for my last two years there, his name's Ara. Um, his girlfriend's name is Logan. She's a news reporter in Florida and he's actually playing for the Jacksonville Icemen nice. who are, yeah, who are an ECHL team. And it's like, I'm, I'm even so proud to have known him because he's playing with my hometown team that I grew up rooting for, grew up cheering <laughs> for. Like I remember going when they were the Barracudas, I remember going and like this guy throwing pucks with me over like the freaking glass to me. And it's like the the fact that anyone I know is even in my hometown now is like playing hockey is the coolest thing ever, let alone that I'm like great friends with his girlfriend. Like it doesn't matter if, like I said, if you're like freaking Tom Brady or a kid playing ECHL that I knew, like I love being a part of that journey, being a part of that growth. I love those people are a part of my journey and my growth into the reporter that I'm becoming. It's like, I'll, I'll never forget those moments, you know, covering when we beat Maine at home and we got to throw the catfish on the ice or whatever. It's like, it's all those, <laughs> it's all those small moments that kind of come together to be you as a reporter, them and their career. It's it. And I'm sure that everyone has that. You know what I mean? Every reporter has that. Every ice hockey player has that. And you just, it's, it really is the little moments that mean more than those huge interviews. Absolutely. Um, so what's it like to cover a Stanley Cup, I guess? That's a big, <laughs> big transition there. But Not like, I mean, that's what everybody, Not that's what everybody's wondering deal. in the audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have some pictures I can actually send you from my Stanley Cup. So um, at the time I was, okay, do you guys, I'm going to do a really, really shitty impersonation right now but you guys know greg papa the guy that goes the raiders like yes. that guy the so i was that guy yes that guy i was that guy's intern and another guy nice. named Damon <laughs> bruce and so super bowl 50 and the stanley cup were happening at the same time where i was interning um and i got to go cover like the stanley cup as like an intern as a producer like intern host whatever and it was with damon bruce Mm -hmm. and um all right Damon please don't kill me because I'm about to tell a story that I should never ever tell on air because you could probably really get in trouble um so my first day on the job I go to the studio I'm there I'm so there's like a I don't know if you guys have ever been in a radio studio but it's like with the producer room there's like you know the board the sound boards and you and the producer and that kind of thing and there's like a glass wall yep and then there's the radio host and the soundboard op right Mm -hmm. so I'm in the production room and Damon finds out that I'm going to be his report or his intern and so it's me and Danny my producer and we're sitting there and Damon goes on the air and he's like the prime time kind of guy on the air and he's like yeah I have this new girl reporter I don't know when girls are gonna learn um that they should just not be in sports because they don't get it <laughs> and my producer takes his headset and throws it at the glass wall and cuts to commercial. 
And I see, this was 2014, I think. And he leaves the room and goes into the production studio where I can't hear anything he's saying. And I just hear him laying into him. I just see it. Like I hear him, like, or I like see him like yelling at him. And then he comes back in, we're back from commercial and Damon's back on the air and he just pretends like nothing happened. And so we get a few months later to the time the Stanley Cup rolls around. And I, I brought Damon like this, like water bottle with like fruit in it. And by that time, Damon had admitted that I was his favorite intern that he'd ever had. And he took a picture of me at the Stanley Cup with him and his spa water. And he was like, spa water from the best intern that I've ever had, blah, blah, blah. And as much as I will always remember covering my first Stanley Cup, nothing will ever beat the memory of showing a guy that a girl could be his favorite intern that he's ever had. That he did, <laughs> that we were worth more than, you know, you know, tits on a stick or whatever the hell men have to say these days. You know what I mean? And it's like the fact that he finally was like, this is the best intern, like blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. That will never beat my Stanley Cup memories. But it's like gr- growing up, I kind of obviously idolized Joe Pavelski because of my mom and my Wisconsin ties and all of my family being in Wisconsin and like my cousin playing football there and yada yada but it was like obviously like just that and watching Joe Pavelski in like a town that I was interning in was the the coolest thing I mean nothing nothing can ever relate to covering a Stanley Cup and Super Bowl 50 at the same time like I don't care if I'm ever freaking Aaron Andrews ever being like an 18 year old kid, like just like chasing your dreams and like not caring what anyone else thinks or like being that girl that like everyone bullied for liking sports. Like it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like I remember going out to eat one time and like one of my friends was like, oh, you like sports? Like that's cute. Like that moment just made every, every piece of everything ever worth it. Yeah. Could, could we talk about that a little bit and I, I guess I'm not a reporter to begin with. I'm, I, I just do this and now it's, it's turned into a little bit more than what we thought it might, but what's it like being a woman um, in an industry that uh, so far it is starting to change finally a little bit, but what's it like being a woman coming up in what has been uh, unfortunately a, a man's industry so far? That is honestly a really great, but difficult question at the same time. I mean, it's, it really is a loaded question. You know, like I, like I've said, excuse me for my French. I've had producers ask me to suck their dick for an interview. I've had every kind of sort of sexism you could ever imagine happen. And I know that every girl that I've ever had has had the same thing. You know, I've had producers where I've been on scene and had to do takes where guys are screaming at me about like just being a hole, just being a throat. Like I could do your job, like all that kind of stuff. And then like, it's, I know that every girl ever out there who's any sort of reporter ever has dealt with the same thing. And it's like, we all have the same end goal of just wanting to be able to do our job and not have to listen to anyone else or what they have to say or what they think about it. But at the same time, it's like, we're just not there yet. And while there are great guys, like I've worked with Spencer for what Spence, like three, three and a half years now. And yeah, probably. yeah like our friend group, a shout out to our friend group is a top tier group of human beings. Like every single guy in our friend group has supported every single one of us from day one. But it's like when you work for a company like Barstool and you hear Dave Portnoy saying, 
that like girls who are above a size six deserve to be raped for a company that you work for, that's absolutely disgusting and doesn't change the dialogue around anything at all. And the fact that girls still decide to work for him and his chicks program and all of that kind of stuff, I left the minute that happened. And it's like, that's how things continue. And it's really disgusting that people continue to give money and views and effort to a company like that. And it not only happens, I mean, honestly, within the company that I work for now, companies that I've worked for before, companies that I will work for in the future, it has happened, does happen, and will happen. And without any sort of civil dialogue or civil discourse, it will continue to do so. And I just want to be the change that girls will see in the future, or I want to be that girl that girls come to that we can work through like this. And I honestly don't think that that's going to change until there is like a woman run company, a woman run business or something like that somewhere, because I can't tell you a single job interview that I've had before where a guy or a producer or an interviewer has asked me, do you really know sports or are you just a pretty face? And can I, I can tell you that wholeheartedly that they have never asked that to a male candidate yeah, no chance. They don't care what dudes right. look like uh, on Ford and like straight up like, well, and, you know, you said that that was a loaded question, but your response was as candid and we, we don't shy away really on here about standing up for things that need to be stood up for, even though we're white dudes and sorry, Peter, you're not a white dude, but <laughs> No, I know Spencer. We have, we have this conversation all the time. So I really appreciate that answer. And I totally ask that with the intention of it being loaded, because I want people who listen to this to hear what Kendra just said, because it's really fucking important. Um, I love that. Thank you for asking. So hopefully soon, again, you know, you're, you're far ahead of us in your career. So keep breaking down the doors, you know, but (laughs) Hopefully soon, it's just not such a leap and bound to get the credibility that so many women deserve. So that's what I have to say. Totally. Yeah, I really appreciate the dialogue, the the question in general. I mean, I feel like so many women feel that way. And so, so many people are scared to say their true experience or how they feel out of fear of getting fired or not having another opportunity in the future. But honestly, I mean, Spencer can tell you this. I'll light anybody on fire for any reason if I think that they, if, if I yeah, think there's no literally, so literally, I, I don't hold back. And you know what? If somebody right. doesn't want to hire me for telling the truth in the future, honestly, that's on them because I know yeah. what I have to offer. I know the talent and the knowledge that I bring forward. And it's like, if you don't want to have that conversation, honestly, I don't want to work with you because the disparity of women and men in this industry is so outrageous. And you know what I think is most important is that women bring a different perspective to the game you know what Mm -hmm. I didn't learn hockey or baseball or football from actually being involved in playing the sport I learned from having to read a book and watch the game and everything else because I wasn't privileged enough to be able to take a snap of football I wasn't privileged enough to play hockey or any of these things because you know what what's between my legs didn't provide me that like that possibility and so you know what I really do bring a different perspective because I had to learn it by being knowledgeable and being passionate. Whereas guys were privileged enough to be able to step on the field and do whatever they wanted. So, you know what, if people don't want my, my opinion or my aspect on whatever, that's their problem. Right. Yeah. It's mic drop. <laughs> Suck on that one. <laughs> well, and I, I think too, just like with whatever, everything you just said, like, I mean, I, I think like 
our generation or like, you know, people like you who are like willing to speak their mind, you know, the basketball player from Oregon who was posting about the weight room, like the disparity between, yeah, between the women's, like the women's weight room and just like the coverage that that tournament gets. I mean, I really think that this year was the first one that like, I remember more than just basic, like whatever ESPN has done a decent job because they have the contract to kind of, you know, put it on TV and everything. But this has been the first year that really they did like, a job of actually like covering it. I feel like, you know, it's, it felt truly like truly promoting it. Yeah. Like it felt like it was like way closer to the level that like the NCAA men's college basketball is on. Yeah. And obviously it probably will never reach that level just because of the amount of money between the two. But like this year, I mean, there was more people like talking about it. I think that I've ever like really seen. Absolutely. I tweeted about it a couple months ago. I was, or a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know, I'm really glad that the NCAA women's tournament is finally getting the recognition they deserve. But did you know what? That statistically, the NCAA women's tournament was like, did better viewership wise than the men's. I could see it. I'm not surprised this year of whether that be people like literally trying to run it up and prove that, hey, we care what. And for the time being, that's a start, in, in my opinion. Am I the person who can give that opinion? Probably not. So I'll be quiet about that, but I'm not surprised this year. Um, And on top of that, like the the women's college basketball game is getting much better, like visual, like the the eye test. It's much more fun to watch now. Absolutely. The the talent across the board is much better as a whole. There's not, you know, just three or four really good players that you hear about and you're hearing about so many more faces and. Yeah. I mean, like Spencer mentioned, he, he's talking about the girl from Oregon, Sedona Prince, you know, and she is six foot seven and was one of the best players in the entirety of the tournament. And you know what? Do you know how far their team made it? Not that far. Right. And the fact that she made such a difference in bringing light to the disparities between women's sports and men's sports. I mean, when when you look at those photos from the tournament, it's not even like a slight difference. It's literally the fact that the women had one weight rack and a bunch of yoga mats and yeah. the food that they That's were being crazy. served. I mean, there's just no excuse for it. And it's like the NCAA, they make their money no matter what. And it's like the NCAA as a whole. I mean, you compare men's sports to women's sports. Yeah, I'm sure that basketball and football are the majority of their income. But then you look at the women's side where it's like gymnastics and volleyball and swimming and diving and track and equestrian and all of those things where and soccer. Oh my God, how much money does women's soccer make? Don't even get me started on Draymond Green and when I was an intern and what he had to say to me. But it's like, you look at all of these things and it's like at the end of the day, is the money really that different to the point where you ha- you feel the need to treat these women so differently when they're just normal college athletes trying to survive a tournament and earn and, and enjoy something that they've truly earned right. the same way that the guys have? Is that really, is it just, I, it blows my mind on top of the fact, don't even get me started about freaking Draymond Green because I will lose it, but Yes, I it, it really <laughs> grinds my gears. Yeah, I I got I guess knock on wood, not knock on wood that I haven't had to deal with that type of um adversity. Um and I guess I'm knocking on wood cuz I'm thankful, but I you know, I'm just trying to and I think Spencer and Peter, you guys probably do this too, like just try and put yourself in other people's shoes um and really take a step back and look at it 
from that perspective, don't look at it from your first point of view. And maybe, maybe everyone should have a, a, a cup of that water. <laughs> you well, know, and, just... and I think too, just having an opportunity to really kind of like listen and like truly listen, not just passively, you know, like sit down and like, Hey, like, I do want to hear like what, you know, what the different opinions are, what your experiences have been. So yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So my favorite professor in all of college, I truly did not give a shit about the department that she was in, but I had to take one of her classes in order to graduate. And I loved her so much that I wound up taking all those classes that I didn't give a shit about because I loved her so much. But she told me one time about how when she traveled to the Middle East to see a friend of hers and someone traveled her with a gun and to kill her because she was a white woman and her travel guide told her about his experience living with Middle Eastern women and Middle Eastern men, as opposed to when white women would come to the country and they would seek them out and the experience that he had, she said to her class, she said, you can no longer unknow someone else's experience once they've explained it to you. And I wholeheartedly believe that because once I tell you my experience and you tell me yours, I can know, I, I can't unknow the knowledge and the experience that you've told me about you and yourself as an individual. And I think that that is the most beautiful thing. And I wish that more people would embrace that because if we really sat down and encouraged that civil dialogue more often, I think that we would be so much more knowing and acknowledging and just so much more beautiful as like a human being, as a civilization, as a race, as whatever you want it to be i think that it's just knowing what others have gone through and being able to comprehend that as yourself yeah well said i mean honestly that's that's a really good just kind of piece to walk away with you know yeah yeah well and hey also you're the first woman to come on our podcast Hell right. yeah. Like, hope it's yeah, not the right. last. I truly, <laughs> I truly hope it's not the last. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Spence, obviously, love you long time. Love you always. I'm glad that we are time. friends now. <laughs> you um, Don't be strangers. And I really, I really hope you guys have me on again. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, now you're going to have to come on and, <laughs> at least to wrap up, uh, at least to wrap up some NHL or at least before the beginning of the next college hockey season. Yeah, totally. Not not longer it. than that. Not longer than that. I but. mean, anytime you guys want, I'm around. I I would lay my life on the line for Spence. So if all I have to do is join a podcast for a couple minutes, <laughs> I, I think I can manage. Well, that's what you love to see. We we appreciate your time a lot. Yeah, much yeah. love, guys. Adios. Thanks, Thanks Kendra. Right. And a huge thank you to Kendra Middleton for um, a peek behind the curtain into kind of like the, you know, the journalism world and what it's like to be a woman in that industry. Uh, we thank you for coming on and you're a fantastic guest. And now we're going to turn it on over to our state of hockey with Wild Dan. Wild fucking Dan. What a legend. All right, and next up on the Big Thoughts Podcast, uh, let's jump into the state of hockey with Dan Reynolds. 
who has had a long day, but let's ease his pain a little bit with some hockey talk. So tell me some good news about the wild. How are we doing today, boys? Um, some more up and down play. It would look like uh, on the outside. I didn't get a chance to watch the nine to one loss that we put ourselves through against the blues, but I heard it was pretty rough and I heard that we weren't doing much right. Um, which, you know, is evident of the scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, giving up nine goals and losing by an eight goal differential. I feel like nothing was going right yeah, on offense no. or defense. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really? Um, nah. And I, 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 I struggle to find words as to why we kept Kakinen in for all nine <laughs> goals. I mean, at that point, that's just like a mental, they let him eat nine goals. Yeah. That's just like a mental breakdown oh. uh, that lasts an hour long and involves nine goals. That's like, detrimental to someone that you're trying to develop but you know I'm sure there's a reason we kept him in you know every goalie has had their fair share of games where they you know get pounded in that for a night but um if you're sorry if you're, a, if you're a professional goalie though I don't know that's crazy nine goals it, is crazy it probably varies from person to person would you rather just stay in and like take your licks or would you ever reach a point where you're like, actually take me out of the game? Because you know how like that attitude that a lot of professional players, at least from what I've seen, is like, I just want to play the game, you know? Yeah. So I think I think most professional athletes would tell you that they want to stay in the game. And they probably at the time do want to stay in the game, honestly. Like they'd rather grind it out, I'm sure. But I think the coaches and like just over time, like time has shown that whether they say they were fine taking that or not, it fucks with goalies heads. I mean, what, whether they show it on their face or they talk about it or not, it does. I mean, taking a nine one ass working, it makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Cause when you're checked out of the game like that, that's when people get hurt. At least if you put in the other goalie, unless they were banged up, I don't know if they were down goalies and they couldn't afford to, no, we had Talbot. But, um, and I, I, I said this to someone who's very close to me and asked me about why they would have done that. And like I said, you know, um, he's never really gotten destroyed in a game like that before. I mean, obviously, this is like his first full season of suiting up. And whether it's on the bench or starting, it doesn't matter. I think it's good to experience that. Although you're, you're kind of, how do I say this? you're playing a very careful game at that point um, because you don't want to piss off your goalie. We saw what happened back in like the nineties when the Canadians kept Patrick Waugh in for a game and they got (laughs) nine goals scored on them. And then he literally walked off the bench after the game and looked at the coach and said, this is my last game and dressing up as a Canadian. Yeah. He said, said, trade me. That happened. Yeah. And then he got traded very soon after to, uh, the avalanche so granted was a you know well-known hothead but and the second best goalie of all time yeah um and i'm not comparing the situation to that i'm just saying like it's like thin ice at some point like you don't want to piss off the goalie you want the goalie to trust you you want to be able to trust the goalie and if if you leave a guy in after like even five goals i would say that's like 
what what if uh Kapanen, Kakinen, what if he said to the coach, Hey, this is my this is on me. I'm gonna fucking ride this one out. Cause then it, good deal. Good yeah. deal. And I'm sure that there's um just I don't know if it would be between the head coach and Kakinen. I don't think it'd be between Evison and, and, and Kakinen, but I'm sure that there was some open discussion about how he was feeling throughout the game. And I'm sure there was like, cause it must feel good, right? Like that's about as bad as it gets. And yeah. that's like, that's the positive. And that's the other side of the situation. It's like, maybe you want him to go through that so that now he knows what that feels like. And now he's going to try and avoid that at all costs. Hopefully, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so like, I feel like if you get that game under your wing and kind of get that behind you, then it's like, we're only going up from here. Like I've played my worst game in the NHL. I'm only going to play better games from here on out. So that like, I would imagine that that's like a positive mindset for the person who's gone through that. Um, but I don't know. You can't help but feel like it's going to shake them up a little bit in a pretty negative way. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he reacts from it. And we'll see. It's a, it's a good test of how mature he is and how NHL ready he is to see if he can kind of bounce back from that. And like I said, uh. behind him. Man, if he comes back after this or whatever and has a, even a one or two goal game, but just looks solid, that'll that'll That's feel huge. so yeah, it'll feel That's so huge. nice for you guys watching that. Yeah, and you got to imagine that the players uh, are going to try and help him through that as well. I don't imagine that um, there's too many open discussions between like I don't know a forward or a defenseman and the goalie about how the goalie played because I'm sure uh-uh. goalies are kind of <laughs> like their own breed, kind of like you guys have talked about in the past um and you know they're kind of in their own head and and there's so much psychology behind their play as opposed to other players um that's just different you know they're just they're just different in a lot of ways so but I imagine that there's you know some some kind of discussion regarding you know like hey this was a great game for you like way to bounce back from it you know Uh, I'm just curious to see when that game is going to come um can I ask you a few questions about some other teams? Yeah, what's up? All right. So looking at the standings right now, I'm going to read a few teams uh, off that have surprised me. Share your thoughts on if you think they'll continue to do it. Um, Hurricanes, not surprising me being second in the Central. With Sebastian Ajo, that team showed in the playoffs a few years ago when Justin Williams came back that they had a young core that was ready to go. Now their goaltending's getting hot again. Panthers, obviously, um, not a shock because of the roster. That shouldn't surprise anyone. But the last few years, they haven't been able to, uh, you know, really make a good push. Um, how do you feel about the Panthers? And do you think they're still in a good spot there in the third third place in the Central? Um, uh, Florida's got a tricky situation solely based on who they've lost this season and that being Aaron Ekblad. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like the Sam Bennett trade that they made. I think that adds a little depth at center and, you know, that's only going to serve to help them, but, you know, just looking at their defensive roster, you know, without Ekblad, besides Yandel and I don't know, maybe, Kevin Connaughton, they're pretty thin Yeah, uh, on the blue line. And I think that's definitely a little scary. See, the beauty about a player like Ekblad is not only are you getting lockdown D night in and night out, he can, he can rip it. 
yeah, he can rip it and he can play in the in the offensive zone pretty damn well, just as well as he can play in the defensive zone, right? Or as well as defensemen can, um, or as well as the best, you know, two-way defensemen can. Ekblad's up there. Um, I think they're getting really solid goaltending, though. I think their goaltending starting to look up. I know Bob Grosky started the season off pretty shite, but I think that his recent play is is definitely commendable. I mean, he's he's gone from below a 900 save percentage to now just shy or just a little bit above 900, which I think is is definitely commendable. And he brought down his goals against average and all of that. So, you know, who else is sick, nasty? Joel Quenneville. Well, yeah, I mean, that <laughs> that's the other thing is I was going to say is that's like the X factor, right? It's he's like, a good coach. No, but um, God damn it. Uh, now I forget his name. Uh, Hubert, no, Huberdo. Huberdo. Jonathan oh, Huberdo is yeah. so nasty. I was say Chris Dreiger is also really good. But, um, uh, I'm going to rip through a few other ones here quick. Um, a team that's kind of surprising me because last year didn't really end the way they wanted. Um, a, the Bruins, uh, they made a uh, what I think is going to be a big move in Taylor Hall. Yeah. Um, and then looking at the team that's in front of them right now in the Penguins, um, them bringing in Jeff Carter makes the Penguins so, so interesting because right. the only other person really that knows how to win more cups than him is Sidney Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, or Patrick Kane, the, between the three of them, they got a lot of cups within the last decade. Yeah. Um, absolutely and carter's clutch i mean say what you will about how old he is but he's pretty damn good still and, and he can still um you know impose his big man presence he's just he's a, tough as fuck yeah and he's also like six five or six six he's just really aggressive on the puck and i've always liked jeff carter's style of play obviously i liked it a lot back in like the early 2000s late 2000s when he was you know scoring 30 plus goals a season on lock um but I still love him. I, I think that he's a really good uh, depth addition for them. And not sure how much it's going to uh, help them, you know, make a deep run. I don't see the Penguins making a deep run. But, hey, I wouldn't have guessed that they won two cups in a row when they did. So, I, I, who I the hell knows? I, uh, you can't rule Sidney Crosby out of anything. If he's a, a little bit like Tom Brady, if, if he's still playing, he's got a chance just because – he he's a winner um looking at the bruins the bruins in my opinion absolutely fleeced the buffalo sabers mm. so here's my here's my thoughts before you get into it on taylor hall taylor hall wins an mvp in 2015 right uh 2017 18 or, but yeah or what taylor hall yeah 2017-18 i thought it was in 15 well whatever no, it was so, a little more recent when's that Regardless. The year after gets hurt, doesn't play most of the year, I believe. He's had some injury the year following his MVP. I know that for a fact. The Oilers stunk then. They were not good yet as they are now. You know, the team, even though those Dreisaitl and McDavid were on the team, different team. <laughs> I think you'd agree with that. So, yeah. he go, so he goes to the Coyotes. Okay, so they – Sneak into the playoffs, but really not a good team. And he was still supposed to be the guy. Goes to Buffalo. He's supposed to be the savior for Jack Eichel. Another fucking horrible, horrible team. Everyone's getting so, so, so hard on him about not producing. 
why is no one talking about the fact that he's played on some dog shit teams? Yeah. He's about to go. He's about to go. Sorry. Just wait. He's about to go play on a team where he has no pressure. Zero. None. All he has to do is go play hockey. Well, I think there's definitely some pressure. I wouldn't agree with that. I think there's definitely pressure. I mean, they're a cup contender, theoretically. Um, And he said it too. A lot of the guys that are on the move right now are just happy to be on teams that are going to be competitive in the postseason. And so with that in mind, I, I'm not sure that Buffalo got fleeced in this trade so much as they just fucked up in trading for him in the beginning. Because well, they're all fucked think, up. No, you got to think that, you know, in getting a second round pick, that's the highest pick you get in return for a guy like Taylor Hall. And a guy like Anders Bjork, who's young and, 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 you know, potentially a stud, but who knows, kind of a variable player. You got to think if a second round pick is damn near the highest thing they were getting offered or the thing that they accepted, they weren't getting offered much more, meaning that no team really wanted to buy, you know? So then you have to kind of dial it back to when they first got him and you got to think, well, maybe they messed up when they brought him in in the first place. Maybe he just wasn't the right piece of the puzzle that they were looking for. You got a, a, a perennial center in or a perennial talent in Jack Eichel, and you got an amazing score in Jeff Skinner and youth all over the place. Maybe Taylor Hall wasn't the right piece to bring in, and maybe you shot yourself in the foot, and now they're realizing that. A second, a second round pick is still pretty valuable, but I, I just I, I can't understand where people are coming from when he won that MVP. I'm sorry, but that wasn't a fluke. I don't think that that one year was like, oh, he really outshined what like what he's actually capable of. I don't think that happens in the NHL. You don't see random people winning MVPs. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'll go down on the cross with this one, but I'd be willing to bet maybe not MVP Taylor Hall shows up with the Boston Bruins but a lot better Taylor Hall shows up with the Boston Bruins because he's surrounded by talent everywhere, Every, everywhere. He's kind of like a big old or a, 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 a reverse double stuff Oreo. The middle <laughs> is super thin. Like that one season was really, really good. And then the cookies on either end are really, really big. He's had a lot of mediocre seasons sandwiching that, that MVP season. So yeah, no, that I'm like Long I said, story the- short, I'm just very I'm excited. You know what I mean? Like as much as I hate to see the Bruins making a trade like that, I'm just excited to see how it works for them. And if it does work, they're potentially pretty fucking lethal. <laughs> they're pretty lethal if he if he pans out to be the player that he once was. I, I just uh, I, I think he'll fit right in. Um and then another one that shocked me. Um, the Capitals getting rid of Richard Panic and Jacob Vrana for Anthony Manta. That's a big one. I think that the Detroit Red Wings, they also picked up a first and a second round pick. Yep. Jacob Vrana is a very good hockey player. Yep. Richard Panic's a very good hockey player. Yep. Stevie Y is a really good GM. That, that I mean, I get why the Caps wanted a little change, whatever you bring in a big forward. I get it, but, Oh, I love that for Detroit. I love that trade for Detroit so much. 
Are you kidding me? Richard Panic, Jacob Vrana, a 21 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick for a team that just needs a little help. They're with the guy. Look at what Steve Eiserman did with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It took him six years to get that team to what he wanted, but he got guys like Steve Stamkos to stick around. And now he's got guys like, what's his name? Dylan Larkin to see their captain. Yep. He's pretty young. He's pretty fucking good. Hold on to him. Just get him to stay. Cause now you've got the first round picks and they have a ton of them. I'm, I don't think it's far off, Dan. I, I love that trade for Detroit. Not for right now. I think for, I love for it the future. For I think I love it for Detroit more than I love it. And I'm a huge Capitals fan. Let me just say when they won the cup in 2018, I was I mean, I, but I love it for Detroit a lot more than I love it for the Capitals for the future. Yeah, obviously. But I don't know. I, I, I would definitely give like an a plus to the cat uh, to Detroit for that one. Like I said, cause they got a good future now, but I don't, I don't, don't think discredit it, the, the capitals move either. I mean, Manta no, was going to go for a lot anywhere I, he went. No. And I'm not saying that he's not awesome. He is. I just think that, I don't know. That's, that's crazy a little bit to me. The, yeah, and, and I think uh, the, the two players and one of the draft picks I'm cool with, but that's a lot for, uh, I, I don't know, but. <clears throat> I also think uh, the Capitals got um, Michael Roffel from, oh, uh, from the Flyers, if you know who he is. And he's, I do. He's pretty solid. So I'd say the Capitals definitely overpaid for what they're getting but it's definitely going to help them be better now. I mean, they're cup contenders this year. They're hardcore cup contenders. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, mean, I they're, just, they're in top, like, four discussion. I, I, think, I think this move screams to me that we have a little bit older of a team and we're going for it one or two more years because, I, I, I mean, they do have an older team. Uh, yeah. So well, their core is just so, like, undeniably good yes no there's no doubt about that but they are getting older and that's that's a fact i mean tj oshi it seems like he's a young boy but motherfucker's been in the league for eight years already um and i think he could be right in the middle of his prime i i don't think that we see the goal scoring oshi that we saw in st louis obviously for way different reasons but i don't know but uh, is this our time to wrap up spencer no, you guys can keep going. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so I don't know. Raffle, I, I don't hate that trade, but uh, the Flyers also let Connaughton go. Is that his? He uh, also got traded somewhere in that. I should have looked that one up. I don't know. To be honest, I, I was too much in the woe of, of the Wilds' recent play to kind of follow. Obviously, I followed the big trades. Um but for the most part, I was so bummed that I just didn't even think to follow the uh, the trade deadline um, as much as I should have. I like that the Wilds stood still. That's that's about all I got for the for the Wilds like trade deadline recap. I like that we stood still. I don't think we need to change anything. You don't change anything that's working. Um, no, I, I and think our they... power play is finally starting to like work. 
Um, When we thrashed the avalanche eight to three, I think four or five of those goals were on the power play, at least four. I remember Um, maybe a fifth. And and now we're starting to consistently score on the power play, which is huge. Um, We've always said that if they started to score on the power play, they're a very uh, dangerous squad. One that has to be watched out for postseason, and And I think that's, you know, coming to fruition at this point, which is super exciting. So to wrap up, avoid letting your goalie take nine goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in summary. Avoid, uh, avoid letting your goalie <laughs> let in nine goals and maybe avoid trading a hell of a lot of valuable picks and a guy like Jacob Brana for someone that most <laughs> NHL fans probably don't even know. Big fact. Yeah. <laughs> Big fact. Nobody knew. I think it's going to play out for the uh, for the Capitals, though. I think they'll be a okay. I don't think. I mean, at all. I mean, they essentially they essentially replace Verano and uh, uh, Panic. uh, Yeah, with um, Raffle and um, and Monta, and and Raffle and Monta are definitely better. Like net worth, I think. Oh yeah, they're more valuable. But the picks they gave up is kind of ridiculous. So, um, hey, real real quick before you go, Spencer, hop in on this quick. Do you like the Taylor Hall trade for your boys? Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how he fits in with that team and that core. He's kind of, I think, been on teams before that were in that kind of awkward, like, do we go for the cup? Should we rebuild? Maybe if we add him, he can add some um, kind of depth scoring or maybe that, you know, like all-star feel. Obviously, with the MVP season only being a couple years ago, I think that's, you, you know, for what they got, I think, the ceiling is super high and they, they didn't give up too much for him. Um, and I'm sure you guys talked about that. I mean, Andrews Bjork will probably be lost to the Kraken. I don't think that the Sabres will be protecting him. I know the Bruins probably were not going to in a second round pick. I mean, even if Taylor Hall goes, you know, for 15 points in the next two weeks, I think that's well worth it. Um, but yeah, they needed depth scoring, not so much, you know, in the past years where they're like, Hey, we're going to try to reach and, you know, grab somebody who can be maybe on that first line. I don't think he'll be put in the first line. I think they're going to keep the perfection line together, but Bruce Cassidy, crazy. yeah. And Bruce Cassie hasn't been afraid to switch those lines up um, in the past, just if something wasn't going on correctly or like he didn't like what it was looking like. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a good trade because again, you know, for what they gave up, I think the ceiling is super high, especially just because, you know, you could have a, MVP season and he hasn't been around this much talent I don't think in his career really ever um he wasn't on Buffalo with that much talent even though he was on the first line with Eichel you know that's still only one guy um it's hard to do that in uh NHL unless you're McDavid or uh, I not Eichel um McKinnon Cologne no Cologne yeah no dry saddle yeah dry saddle thank you so yeah I don't know I like it I think it'll be a good move it'll be interesting to see and you know, they only have to pay him half his salary. So that's crazy for one year. I, th- I think it's a good move. Uh, I don't, I, I don't like the trade for, uh, for Buffalo. Look, I think they had their hands tied. Like I said, I think they realized that this isn't the squad and they got a, they got a lot of value and they can dump it off, but I am surprised they didn't get more. And like you said, they're retaining half his salary. So it's yeah, like it, truly gone. Oh, um, and I think that's just going to kind of screw them over and, I don't know. I think that Eichel was definitely the trade, not Taylor Hall. I think get rid of, I think just start over 
I think the Sabres are going to have to sell the team. That yeah. owner is going to have to sell the team. This is a yeah. bad news bears. But I love the trade for Boston. Um, I know that Taylor Hall went on record and said that he definitely wants to sign an extension with Boston already, not even play the game for them yet. So, you know, he definitely wants to be there and he definitely wants to contend and he knows that he's, you know, able to help them contend. So that's going to be interesting to see. And like Spen said, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in, but I think that he definitely fits in and, and makes a difference. I have the confidence in him, but yeah, I guess in short, Buffalo's even more fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick, I just want to I want to hear what our guest, Kendra, she is from the East Coast, and I know that she's, like, worked for Nesson, and we'll, you know, get into that later on, but she probably has a thought about the Bruins. So, Kendra, if you want to jump in quick. Hello, hello, all. How's it going? Good. Very good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So, I do have a couple of thoughts about the Bruins, but first of all, I have a question for Spencer. First of all, Spence, are you yes. wearing a Sharks jersey? No, Coyotes, Coyotes okay, Kachina. Okay. I saw yes. the very top <laughs> of it without the yellow, and I was wondering if it was the Sharks. But you are down in my territory now at UF, so I think that that's actually hysterical. But I do have a couple of thoughts <laughs> about the Bruins. I do agree with the fact that I think that the Bruins won this trade. If – if Hall can prove the fact that he was an MVP at some point, he had what? I think two goals in seven, 79 games. Is, is that it? Is that the stat? Like yeah, last it might year? be. <laughs> yeah, I had, think it was, I can't remember it was 75 or 79 games, but that stat alone is insanity for me. But I think for what they signed him for, if he can be his old self, I think that would be fantastic. And I think that you guys can tell that I am wholeheartedly supporting this podcast if i am missing his debut against his former team i think i think that that is the definition of love right there my friend <laughs> yes yeah. i would agree with that major appreciation major I mean, it major makes, it makes sense though right like where we knock on some guys as if like they're not human you know what I mean? Like we knock on these guys as if they don't have like an emotional side that's attached to the game that they're playing professionally. This guy's been like in trade discussions since his time in Edmonton, you know, yeah, like forever. They, were ready, they were ready to ship him away. Like pretty much as soon as they realized that he wasn't what they were looking for when they drafted him. And then, you know, the devils were pretty much looking to ship him right when he won his MVP because they knew they could get a ton for him. And then Arizona thought they had their guy and their front office is a shit show as well. <laughs> and mesh with the team was in trade discussions then and then pretty much as soon as he got to buffalo there was all this expectation on him to perform and as soon as he wasn't performing like right away he's in trade discussions again so i mean this doesn't just affect nhl players trade discussions affect every major you know oh yeah sphere. so i don't know i i agree with that and i'm hoping you know for his sake just from human to human that he's found his niche team totally you know, like a fit because he can play. We know he can. It'll be but, interesting to see how, that happens, how, how it plays out. But at the same time, we've seen time and time again where franchises do not give a crap what you are going through mentally because at the end of the day, they are the ones yeah. signing your paycheck. Yeah. And it's like if you're not producing for the amount of money that they drafted you at or that they're paying you at, I mean, at what point do you have to decide to part ways with the former MVP who's provided you two goals in 79 games? Of course, everyone goes through it mentally at some point. You know, most people experience some sort of depression or mental illness at some point, but at what time is 
is that worth the amount of money that you've been paid, that you've been drafted for X, Y, Z and human to human. I totally, totally recognize that. And I acknowledge it. And I wholeheartedly sympathize with people. But at the end of the day, when do you have to cut ties with someone for that when you're signing their paycheck? Exactly. Yeah. Um, And I agree. And I, I don't know, Spen, I guess for your sake as well, I hope this plan or pans out for you guys in a good way. Appreciate I don't, that. I, I'm sorry. I just don't see you guys getting out of the divisional like first round. I'm sorry. You guys' division is way too crazy. Good. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, tough. It, it'll, be, it'll be close. I mean, guys, I, I think anything can happen. If you guys match up against the Islanders, I think you're going to slap them around because I think the Islanders are trash <laughs> in the playoffs and I, they have no experience. <laughs> Um, besides their coach but and Anders Lee is down too so that doesn't help yeah it's funny to me that you guys are wild fans because I'm actually like best friends with the wild reporter and I think that that's hilarious because I texted her and I was like hey like I'm actually gonna probably be talking about you guys tonight I don't know if any of you know Kirsten Kroll I I know I know her through Piper kind I don't know Kristen I'm follower on instagram yeah kirsten is uh one of like my end all be all people i think that i would like sacrifice myself on a silver platter for that girl but she (laughs) she's a top tier human being and i think it's hilarious that we're talking about the wild because she's their reporter and she's one of my best friends in in this entire world i i literally would i would give my life for that girl she's a good egg we talk about the wild here because they're they're just the best i don't know what else to say (laughs) (laughs) i actually um it's Dan's homegrown. Mailed her. So I, I'm really into like vintage fashion, that kind of thing. And recently I found like a 1980s wild jacket, which Spence was your size. But I know that and I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. But I mailed her this jacket because I thought that it was a men's XL and I probably should have put you in this bid. But um, I, I'm I. I'm laying my card, my hand of cards out there, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> now there's no excuse next time. No, no excuse next time. I will be, I will be looking for another 1985 vintage Minnesota Wild jacket. But Spence, I, I apologize. I, I probably should have sent that to you, but I sent it to Kirsten. Oh, it's all good. But um, Dan, what's up, guys? Else? How's it going? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Bye. Are we are we doing this right now, or is Dan Dan? Are you staying on for the whole thing, or no? Um, I actually can't, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Let's give Let's give Dan a send off and let's start again with uh, Kendra, <laughs> Kendra right here. All right, you so you jumped the gun on us. I will no, say she's ready. Just, she's she's she ready. Is ready. I will just say really quick. You guys don't ever talk about this sport, but shout out to Hideki Matsuyama for being the first Japanese boy. Oh, yeah. oh, Amazing, fantastic. That was huge. I watched Fantastic. the third round. I watched the whole third round. He absolutely, do you guys see the interview where there was like a, there was a rain delay and then he came back and played the final eight holes for the round and he shot yeah. minus six. And they were like, Hideki, what'd you uh, do during the rain delay to get in the mindset of like coming back like, and playing that well? And he's like, looked, looked on my phone. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I went in my car and played games on my phone. <laughs> I think Classic. with the current climate of America, that could, that win That's could huge. not have come at a better time. And I, I'm so happy for the Asian American community any, and the Asian community in general, I just, I think that it couldn't have come at a better time. And I'm, I'm so happy to celebrate that win. It's huge. Yeah. That's true. And he Massive. Played so well. How cool too, that he was like, just kind of like a normal dude, like on his connecting flight, he was in yeah. the airport and he just had the green, like the green <laughs> over a chair. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I don't know. I thought that was super cool too. Like, it's eh. funny too. They asked him, they were like, so when you're in Japan, are you like, 
a big like rock star there and he like looked at his interpreter and he just shook his head and then the interpreter was like he says i don't know <laughs> he is now he He's is just, like now. completely oblivious to everything except golf which is just amazing i love it all right thanks for Audio, the dan. thanks for the state of hockey dan thanks wild dan All right, and thanks for the state of hockey update with Wild Dan. Um, thanks, Dan. Hey, thanks, Dan. hey, if you thanks, guys, Dan. if you guys like listening to Dan Reynolds, I do. Start appreciating it because hockey's going to be over in about a month and a half. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Radko. So, but yeah, um, thanks, let's talk. Dan. Let's talk about some baseball and then let's wrap this joint up. Um, thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Did I not tell you that this was the year I was going to fall in love with baseball? Because I'm falling in love. Well, considering that you have to watch games for your job, I sincerely hope that you learn and enjoy baseball a little bit more than you did last time. I mean, I think baseball has always been a sport I enjoyed because it's – I can do homework, look down, and look up and still kind of keep track of where the game is at, you know? And I don't know. There's no better feeling – than watching a pitcher get super hyped after getting out of a really tight spot and striking someone out. You know what I mean? And they yell their glove. They're like, Hi. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you go, man. Honestly, baseball, like, like I'll admit, like in terms of action packed, like it's not always like that. Like I'm not crazy, but in terms of being able to just like turn it on and, like, I like the fact that it's not always like, yeah, I don't know. I like that you can, you can kind of watch, watch it like golf almost. Yeah. This may be arrogant, much like my uh, view on goalies in hockey. Just keep the puck from going in the net. I mean, that seems pretty simple. Baseball with hitting, you just have to hit the ball. Well, I think statistically it's considered the hardest thing in sports to do. I, I, that, that was sarcasm. I, I was watching a video. You have like 0.7 milliseconds or something like that to recognize the ball and like swing at it. I think from a 92 mile an hour fastball from a six foot one or a six foot two pitcher, wherever that release point is, you have 0.4 seconds. So you have less than a blink to decide a, if you want to swing at it, B to try and make contact with it. Like, Baseball is pretty insane. And I feel like when people find out more things like that and realize like how mm-hmm. hard it, it truly is, more people would watch, but that's a very hard like stat or weird ordeal to like bring up like, Hey, do you love baseball? Do you think you can hit something in 0.4 seconds or not? All right. Maybe not. Fuck you. Next sport. A um, round object too on a round bat. Right. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really bizarre. Honestly, like baseball is weird for sure, but I don't know. I love it. Um, we're seeing early, or, you know, we talked about it with, uh, with Jordan, um, you know, uh, about emotion showing up in baseball. Well, emotion showing up in baseball, Spencer, Peter, you probably seen a little bit. Um, it, it's all over. I don't know if, uh, if we're kind of, if it's kind of turning out like the, how the, how, how the hockey season Ow. is. Sorry. I, my <laughs> was stuck. Ow. Um, I don't know if it's turning out how the hockey season is now that this season 
is back to at least close to normal. Um, and last year was so kept apart and, you know, just really kosher. Last year was super kosher. I'm sorry. Did you say it's over as in COVID is over? No, I'm saying in terms like the protocols that are set in place, they can have a lot more free of, a, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, like the professional environment for sports right now, whatever You, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know, you're seeing it in hockey this year. There's a shitload of fighting last year. You didn't see a ton of emotion in baseball, a lot of dingers, mm. but, Oh, I know what you mean now. Okay. Like I'm, I'm saying early right away. I mean, there there's heated battles and now teams are getting into some teams are getting into their second series already with other teams. And you're seeing it right now. Cubs Brewers game live update. Cubs are losing pain, but there's already been warnings issued to both benches. It's been hot, Spencer. Yeah, I know. Well, did you see what they tried to pull on old Woodruff? Well, yeah, they threw behind. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Come on. I, can I say one thing? Ryan Tapera is not. I don't know the, who that is. He was is that a, who's pitching. Yeah, he's not the guy that if you want to hit the pitcher, he's not the guy we're going to send in to do that. Why? Why do you that, say that? That was an accident. Ryan Tapera is like. He, doesn't have the arm, doesn't have the accuracy. Usually, if you're going to throw at a pitcher, you bring in a dude that can hit him in the middle of the back at 96. Ryan Tapera, like, maxes out at 91, and he's a sinker baller. <laughs> like, oh, that, well, that, I mean, uh, fair I, enough. I, I understand why the warnings, like, with, you know, Wilson Contreras has been hit a few times. No, I'm not talking about the one where he leaned in to clarify. Well, none of that has been intentional. I mean, I think you can realize no, that. No, yeah, no. I, I think it's just very coincidental like truly he's been hit a ton this year already you know how many times he's been hit against the brewers or just overall overall already no it's you know why because rizzo's probably telling him he's like hey man if you lean in a little bit on base percentage shoots up (laughs) rizzo's a master at it rizzo never leans out in he never leans into the the strike zone no He'll but, lean. He'll lean yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But he's not egregiously. No, he's not going to conform to it. So, oh, that was a bad call. <laughs> Holy fuck. So, um, sorry, shit. Uh, oh, with Wilson Contreras, and I think he's been hit eight times already this year. Wilson, that's Wilson. Huh? Yep, that is a lot, and that sucks. And I understand his frustration. One of the times has been in the head. You know, like it, it, it sucks, but Wilson, you got to understand that all of these different pitchers from these teams right now are not throwing at you. The Cubs are not playing well enough. And you are not playing well enough for all of these people to be throwing at you. Like, I, I don't know. I, I understand his frustration and with the way the Cubs are playing, that surely isn't helping. I'm sure getting fucking plunked. And that's the only way you're getting on base during the game. It's not right. awesome. I got to say, man, oh, Javi's swing last night. He had a swing. Bad. I'm not even talking about the one where the bat, where he was just kind of like defending it and like the bat flew out to the pitcher. But, dude, I don't know what it is, but he has like no plate discipline. And I thought he kind of turned the corner. Like, you know, I think it went like the year that he was kind of in the MVP running. He turned the corner, you know, like a little bit. But, dude, last night. I can't remember who was pitching, but they threw a curveball. He, he ended up hit, roping a double. I think it was Rasmussen who was pitching for the Brewers. He ended up roping a double, which brought in two runs and actually made it close. But, but the pitch before that. 
Oh my God. It, no, no, it was three. It was like two pitches before. Cause they threw another curveball back to him, but dude, <laughs> that ball hit in front of the plate and he swung at it. Like, I was like, man, that's just, it's crazy. Like whatever. He's so, a major league player. I'm not, but like, damn, like that's crazy. So what's weird with Javi, I'd say that Cubs fans have finally accepted, but it's hard to watch is that if there's any person that is that person, like Javi Baez is Javi Baez. Like, right. Are you guys talking like, about his throw? Sorry to cut you guys off. No, he, oh, he, the he throw made was hilarious too. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know the throw I'm talking about. Very I funny do, yeah. throw. Very funny throw. He was laughing about it on the field after. He know, I mean, that is just a fuck oh, up. Yeah. But he made some sick plays in that game last night. It was some flat-footed throws to home plate to keep that game close before it got blown open. Um, but with Javi, you know, Javi's going to be Javi. And when, when he's, you know, his whole career pretty much, he swung at damn near every pitch, like just straight up. Zero date, play discipline, yeah. Dating back to last year, coming into this year, he went in 160 at-bats without taking a walk. That's a lot. I mean, that's half your at bats in a year, a little under half your at bats for a starter. Uh, that's insanity. You're going half a season without taking a walk. Right. Um, but Javi's going to be Javi and a guy like him. I'm not going to tell him to stop swinging. I would like to see him shorten up and get rid of maybe such the long bat. Stand so far away from the plate, which well, and and clearly, I mean, something's working. Whether he's getting walks or not, it's not like he's getting demoted into the trip to triple no, A. I mean, uh, you know, he, he he's fine, right? Like Javi's fine right now. What what's concerning me for the Cubs is that Javi's got the best fucking average on the team. The Cubs' first ten games batting average was the worst ten games ever in Cubs history for batting average ever. Not the first ten games of a season. A ten any ten game stretch in any Cubs history, worst batting team average or worst team batting average ever. So, well, me, what do I do? I try to look at some. Uh, how can I spin this to be like okay? Well, the first week they had the hardest hit rate in baseball. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yep, hard hit rate. Um, you know that means you're just hitting it hard at people. That'll come around. That'll change. That's just baseball. Right. Well. Now they have the highest swing and miss rate, the highest K rate, the lowest contact rate. Uh, their, their OPS is lower than some, some teams fucking OBS, which ain't good. That was one of my questions. What the hell is OP, um, OBS? Is that on base? On, yeah. Percentage? On what is OPS? For, OPS, Spencer, is on base percentage with slugging. What the hell is slugging? That's a whole, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a uh, slugging is like here, uh, you know what I got, I got an analytics expert with me right here. Let me grab him. You guys play me some filler, Johnny, Matthew, come here, pause, play me some filler, Johnny, what a line. <laughs> All right. We're here live with Matthew Feldman. Um, Matthew, we need you to explain to Peter and the audience. What is slugging in baseball? I believe slugging is the total amount of bases divided by your at-bats. Oh. So if you're, oh. if you're for one with the home run, you're slugging 4,000. All right. Okay. And okay. What, what's your BAPIP? Batting average on balls in play. I don't know what exactly the 
um, scoring is. I never, I never know if a high BAPIP is good or bad. What is an average slugging? Like what's some, what's an, what's a good slugging? Like if, like nine hundred above nine hundred. No, nine hundred would be for your OPS, which or, would be your on base plus the slugging. Yeah. Okay. Slugging, yeah, is usually around for better players, probably around five fifty to seven fifty, somewhere in there. Yeah. The more you know. Think. I'm telling I you, this the is the year I fall in love with baseball. All right. All right. Well, that was that was <laughs> man, that was uh, that was our statistical expert Matthew Feldman. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah. One time guest, two time might two be the time. first two time guest in history, even if it was only briefly. Shane. Oh, Shane, you're that right. fucker, Shane. Shane he's been I'm on sorry. here three times. Right. I'm sorry. If Matthew this has man any, is dying. If Matthew <laughs> has any parlays for me, send them my way. Oh. I'm trying to make. I'm trying to turn four dollars into ten thousand dollars. I'll. Good luck finding a parlay that you hit on that. But hey, it happens to some people. It happened um, like a week ago. Ken, Spencer, really quick, and then we'll finish the gambling talk. So what's concerning me with the Cubs is. Okay, so if you have the worst strikeout stuff, this uh, you know at this point in the season, not that big of a deal. That's where the eye test comes in, right? You're a big fan of the eye test, right? Big eye test guy. So hear me out on this one. Hearing you. Cubs have always been like I'm okay with them swinging and missing at bad pitches occasionally. Like that's kind of been their whole agenda. Whatever, they swing and miss at bad pitches. But what's killing me? is these very, very, very good career hitters getting thrown absolute meatball after meatball and not touching it. So that concerns me. The statistics this early in the season don't freak me out. Watching very good, very good baseball players swing and miss at meatballs. That's got to be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, like Matt LaPay on the the call last night, he was straight up saying he goes to the program future guest hopefully maybe but um everyone's was, a future guest that's hey you're not wrong everyone is say no right? yeah right so um uh, looking I, at you weather dudes hey yeah uh, he's got to be sick of us by now <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it's um I, I mean i need the cubs to start making at least contact with the boss in the zone that sounds so basic but What's keeping my hope alive is that although they've been horrible, they did manage to win a few games. So the pitching has been okay, better than expected, honestly, with what happened this offseason. Um, but I, I think the panic button is dug up. It's out. Like It's not in front of me, but... Let's say this got to be in our almost 50 episodes. This got to be the earliest panic button you've probably seen from me. I don't think it's good. Yeah. I think it might be bad. I hope so. <laughs> I don't. Sorry, but that'd be cool. Um, it'd be cool if they just, uh, you know, well, actually, I don't know. I feel like Brewers Card or Brewers Cubs is a way more like better rivalry than Brewers Cardinals because, like, I don't really know. I know one Cardinals fan that I like actually enjoy having company with. I know I one Cardinals two, fan too. Two Cardinals fans who I enjoy having company with. Other than that, so, I'm just, unless you're talking Marshall Cardinals or my Arizona <laughs> Cardinals, I'm not, I just, I don't want it. So what's crazy about like the, the rivalry in terms of like how the fan base views it is like growing up, 
or whatever, you know, long lifelong Cubs fan, even though everyone literally says I'm not, which is wild considering I have pictures at Wrigley from when I was a wee, wee child. But growing up, like it was always the Cardinals, McGuire, Albert, or, you know, for the Cubs, it was always like, oh, fuck, we got to play the Cardinals. But now it's definitely the Brewers in terms of like the fan rivalry as well. Um, but yeah, um, honestly, great interview. I'm sorry about potentially our content here, but I, I know that interview was great. So, um, yeah, I'll leave you with this as I left you with two weeks ago. Didn't even get to talk about the Red Sox. Never mind. We are not done yet, and that's okay. I was <laughs> I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell your vibe. I couldn't tell your vibe. They won. Peter, who'd uh, they beat today? Uh, I don't know. I didn't catch the game. Oh, come on now. Don't be uh, the on. twins lost yeah. to the Red Sox. To the red hot seven straight wins. Boston Red Sox. And you know what's funny? If you watch the game, it actually starts snowing a little bit. And I saw you, that. you think the snow would cool them down or maybe get a snow delay, but nope. You just play oh. through it. Rafi Devers. Maybe if it was off. one of the southern teams, Florida, hey. Minnesota be able to play pull off a win, but no. Boston gets snow too. News flash. Can I say something about your Red Sox? Well, is it positive or negative? Dude, it's positive. Okay, then yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me say one, one thing first. I usually don't say anything bad about the Red Sox. That's How like you? How could you, honestly? I don't even give your teams a hard time usually. I like the Bruins and I like the Red Sox for of opposite conference those are like the teams i would cheer for because of you so fair enough um there so there yeah hey, hey fuck i got you. no problem with hey, the sharks yeah. i got no problem with hey, the sharks yeah because yeah, they stink all the time not tomas Harrell. he's on my team he, he's so fun to watch he's tough but um those red Sox, i think i think the pressure's off last year was weird yeah. got got rid of mookie alex cora was gone didn't really know what the fuck was going on and this offseason happened, you lose a few more players, Jackie Bradley and, your, and you know, your whole outfield. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, actually, your whole outfield. Um, you ain't wrong. And I think Alex Cora is a very good coach. I think he right now is coaching that team. I, I don't think that team is a fluke where they're at, but I think he has coached that team to where they're at. I don't think they're – they are right now without him i agree maybe that's not fair to those players maybe i'm giving him too much credit but i think he commands the bench and i think he expects certain things and i think he saw what happened in those first three games and said okay <laughs> we could do this or you know and i think something yeah. changed right away right away yeah. and you know, whether that meant they started banging on trash cans harder in the dugout. Oh <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had to. I had to. But um, you know what I'm saying? I think Alex Cora is 49% of the reason why they're have turned it around so swiftly. I could see it. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I would do Mookie Betts is like probably my favorite player in baseball. Like, dude's just oh, so good. And I, I would do anything to have him back on the Red Sox. But at the same time, like... Would you do anything? Uh, most things. But <laughs> um, I think that, like, 
just not having, I, I don't want to say like not having a star player, but not like he's a superstar, right? He's one of the faces of the game. And like that team, just not really having like a guy like that, like a Mike Trout type player, or a, you know, a Fernando Tatis or Juan Soto. Like, I think it's good for him. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they don't have anybody. No, they have an all-star shortstop in Xander Bogarts. They have an all-star DH in, you know, JD Martinez. They have Rafael Devers. He'll be a really good third baseman. They have a decent pitching staff, but it's like, they're, they're kind of just a bunch of no names that everybody's like, Oh, they won't do anything. Like they're years away. I don't know. I, I like it. I like having a team like that. You know, they're easy to cheer for. That's what I, that's what has impressed me the most about JD. I think whole time in Boston is like, that was wild. Yeah. You turned into the Terminator for a second. Repeat Ooh. what you're saying. You, <laughs> what do you mean? It just, your mic probably caught some interference. Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought we were having a stroke moment here. Like I didn't like, I just said a complete sentence like backwards, like out of order. And no, it was okay. wild though. Okay. Well, I thought Skynet was taking over. It I think, scary. I think what's so interesting about JD though, in his time um, in Boston is, I mean, shit, that one year he batted like almost 400, 340 and 40 dingers and 120 RBIs or whatever. Didn't win the MVP. Okay. That's it. <laughs> right. But his numbers are almost like that every year and they have been for almost his whole career. And it's just still, no one talks about it. And like you said, for this Boston team right now, that's perfect. I don't know if, I don't know if they need done. They don't need that right now. They don't right. need that. Just keep riding along. Ooh, look out East. Look at the Mets roster. Look at the Yankees roster. Okay. That's cool. We'll just play some fucking baseball. Like, yeah, and I just – I got to say a little caveat, whatever. I love the Red Sox, but I'm also like, you know, it's only 10 games in. So, when they when they go – you know, I, I told you in the first episode, 17 and 10, that's what we're shooting for in April. We're well on our way there. We just got to play, you know, decent ball. I'm not an idiot. I know there's slumps in baseball, but when the Red Sox are 135 and 27 <laughs> and the year, I'm not going to say – I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't tell you that that's what's going to happen. So, you know, regular season champs in the AL East – 135 and 27 and the Bruins just won in a shootout. So Bruins money line, 330. Bang. If you had the under 5.5, you won some money. But uh Bruins. Yeah. So good for uh I don't know. Good for the Red Sox. Gotta love them. America's team. I won't go that far. Packers are, but <laughs> um I don't think so. Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay. I mean, that is just an absolute disgrace. The Oklahoma State Thunder. They should have, they should have, no, no, I know it was, but they should have never left Seattle. I think there, I I think there's going to be another Seattle team within the next five years. Don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah, because it's going to be the Timberwolves. No, Glenn Taylor Mm -hmm. said that he couldn't move out of Minnesota, right? Or I don't know. I'm pretty that sure like, that's what KG said. I don't know about the new deal with A-Rod. Yeah, by the way, breaking news, Timberwolves got sold. Yeah, so. I mean, it, honestly, if I'm willing to bet. And we just beat the Nets. The Timberwolves. I might be making that up. <laughs> the, I mean, they're they're literally going to get instantly better. I was just, you know, I, I guess you can make the instant. They did, compar- no, they lost by 30 to the Nets, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, no, see, I mean, that's, a, that's a thing about being on Big Ten Thoughts versus ESPN. ESPN, you got to have the scores right. Big Ten Thoughts, you have some leeway. You, yeah, know? you just got to throw it out there. Just, It'll uh, get fact-checked eventually, about, but you just got to throw at, something out there. If about you say, 30 points. 
if you say it with enough confidence the first time, fuck it, we'll let it slide. Give or take, yeah, give or take. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't have anything else, honestly. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> well, there's gonna be some very, very, very funny fucking blooper reels from this episode. Yeah, we were on one today. We were on one. Um, hey, check us out on Big Thoughts, B1G Thoughts on Twitter and Instagram. Um, check out Etsy down and back stitches and we so glassy. Give give the ladies some support, give the women some support. Don't want to get you know, can't say ladies. Give Ken, back stitches. Give Kendra some support, but I don't know her Twitter handle. Well, based off of her following on Instagram, uh, she's going to be giving us the support. You know what? <laughs> I, I will rephrase. Thank you, Kendra, for giving us your support. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you didn't like what Kendra had to say at the end of her interview, this isn't, ain't the show for you. Sorry. Sorry to say that. Um, and I, I can't believe I have to say this again. I just said it two weeks ago. Stop fucking killing people. Not that hard, but thanks for listening to big thoughts for SFK for Peter Chell and for Big Ten, almost summer rough guy. Thanks for listening. Go Badgers. Go Cubs. Go Damn right, can I do it again? Cause I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I break who you sending me. You motherfuckers never want to know what your life saved. Okay, but I have a question for you, Marcus. Yeah. It, I know we don't know each other, but it seems like you are quite the Bay Area sports fan. And oh. I, was, I was a Bay Area intern. So I have to ask, what's with what's with the Bay Area memorabilia? Um, the Steph Curry finals jersey is for sure just like douchebaggy. Like I just like Steph Curry. That okay. there's not more thought Fair. behind that. You, you don't have to explain yourself to me. I support um, you. And then Joe Pavelski got a bunch of his jerseys because of the Wisconsin thing. He's my favorite of all time. I started watching hockey because of him at Wisconsin. And yep, I started watching the Sharks because of him. So yep. they're my favorite team. Me too. So, all right. You want to be best all friends? Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so my mom. The Sharks so fan. my mom is a Wisconsin grad. She was a track athlete there. And then my cousin plays football there now. Another one of my cousins is there on full scholarship. So Joe Pavelski is actually the reason I got into hockey too. And then I was an intern in the Bay Area for like kind of my first real like sports job and i covered their stanley cup against the pens out there as an intern so i am a diehard fan because of wisconsin and my family and all that kind of stuff so you and i just became best friends did we just become best friends do you want to go do you want to go do karate in the garage yes (laughs) (laughs) um 